You're listening to C-Store Talks. I'm Erin Del Conte, Executive Editor with C-Store Decisions Magazine. And for this podcast series, I am having conversations with women in convenience. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hunt Brothers Pizza represents a legacy of pizza in the convenience store industry. We are able to offer the best pizza value in town at over 7,800 locations across 30 states, ensuring you're never far from one of our store partners, whether at home or on the road. Today I'm here with Amanda Shymansky, the Digital Marketing and Advertising Manager with QuickCheck. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Erin. Thanks for having me. So Amanda, to kick us off, tell me a bit about QuickCheck. Uh, for example, how many stores do you have and where are they located? Sure. So we have uh, just around 160 locations, uh, mostly spread throughout the New Jersey market. But we also have districts in the Hudson Valley region of upstate New York. And we have a smaller district on Long Island as well. And we are a, uh, a division of Murphy USA. Wonderful. Um, and so tell me a bit more about your role today as digital marketing and advertising manager. You know, uh, how long have you been in the role and what are your responsibilities? Sure. So in my uh, current role, I, it's actually relatively new. So I uh, started in this new position at the end of September. And my department is uh, responsible for all of our advertising campaigns. So that's all marketing assets from billboard, radio, external signage. And then we dive into social media. So managing our Instagram and Twitter and Facebook pages. Our department is also responsible for our app as well as our loyalty and rewards program. And there's a portion of that as far as uh, mobile delivering that ties into external delivery platforms. So we, we partner with different platforms like Uber Eats and Grubhub and DoorDash. We're responsible for that. And then the other layer that falls under our department is customer service. So that ties into our external customer mostly. So people looking uh, or sharing feedback or complaints. A lot of times we also get positive comments as well, which is great. So working with that as well as uh, the, the commenting and the customer service side of the social media piece. And then we're also responsible for our annual fundraising. So our partnerships with places like different food banks throughout our, um, our regions, as well as uh, different veteran organizations that, that we work with. That's new, but I've, I've actually been with QuickCheck for 13 and a half years. And previous to this role, I was always in category management and heavy on the food service side. So do you want me to talk a little bit about? Yeah. So, you know, I was uh, stalking your LinkedIn a little bit. I saw that you started, I believe, with uh, two, in 2008, I think it was, as an associate category manager. Is that correct? It is correct. So, yeah. Tell, yeah. Me, tell me a bit about, you know, your path and how it kind of led you to where you are now. So, I, as you mentioned, I started as an associate category manager and it was actually my first job out of college. I had no idea what to expect. Um, I didn't have any food service background. I had never worked in a convenience store before. I had never even worked in a restaurant. 
but I graduated with a marketing communication degree and I knew that I wanted to come back to New Jersey where, where I, you know, grew up and this opportunity popped up and it just so happened. And this kind of plays into, I think a little bit what we're talking about today, but the, the person who was hiring for this position happened to go to my college and is a woman. And I think that, that she saw this great opportunity of this young girl coming out of school, unsure of, of what I wanted to do. And, and I remember sitting in her office and saying, I know nothing about food. And she said, do you like to eat? And I, I, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I love to eat. And she goes, don't worry, you'll learn everything else. So it was kind of like this huge jump start to you know, what could become just by taking a chance on something that you didn't know. And I'm hearing also like, you know, this, this woman who had confidence in you, even if you didn't have it in yourself in that moment yeah. for this role and how like what a difference that that has made. Yeah, absolutely. She, she, I guess she saw something in me that, you know, as a 22 year old, you're, you're, you have no idea what's to come, right? You're what you do in college or even in high school is so different than what the actual real world is like. And, Absolutely. you know, her making just a small comment like that really gave me the, the opportunity to join the company that, I, that I've been with now for 13 and a half years. And then through that associate category management role, I, I started off just doing smaller projects and taking on um, different categories like dairy and produce, but then continued to, to grow in my role and, and get promoted into higher management levels and taking over larger categories to my most recent role as a senior category manager, where I managed the sandwich program for Quick Check, which included the menu development and innovation, the uh, ingredient sourcing and pricing strategy. And it's funny because it, it kind of all ties into the advertising piece because food service is a huge driver for Quick Check. And so much of our advertising strategy relies on our food service growth. So I was constantly involved in that conversation and, and you know, those discussions. And it, it was kind of like a, um, the, the shift made sense. But it's funny because I go back to all those years ago and there was a point when I first started and our, our vice president said, hey, Amanda, you know, what are we missing? You're, you're young, you know, you see what's out there that maybe we don't see. And we didn't have a Facebook page. And I said, we really need a Facebook page. I put together this whole proposal as to why and how, and it got shot down so fast. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like an ongoing joke because, you know, now Facebook is it's such so a big part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was probably about a year later where, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't me because at, at that time it was, you know, wasn't managed by a category manager, but we, we created a Facebook page with our art agency or our ad agency. And now it's such a big part of our business. So I kind of like came full circle and now, <laughs> now managing that portion of the, of the business. Very, very cool. Um, so that kind of leads us into the next question of what generation are you a part of? So I am a millennial. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. 
so you know and i, I think i think we kind of knew that when you mentioned facebook <laughs> but yeah. so you know you've already talked about some of this but I, i'm hoping you can go into some more details and, and give some more examples of some of your earliest experiences in the industry um you know for example you know when you started were you kind of one of the only women or part of a, a diverse group of women um what was it like in terms of uh, challenges, sexism, mentorship? What, what kind of, what was your experience? So right off the bat, um, and I, I have this conversation with, with my girlfriends pretty often because I was kind of in the minority in the sense of when I started my career, I worked for a woman whose career had been embedded in the convenience store industry. And she started you know, as a, as a young 20 something who basically built her career as one of the only women, you know, in the, in the industry at that time. So I came in at a really good spot where she was my boss and she was my mentor. And the team that I joined, I actually rounded it out as the third woman in the group, which was, was very different from what we had been seeing. So as we started meeting with manufacturers and suppliers and vendors, it was mostly older white men. You know, there wasn't a lot of diversity um, from a cultural or ethnic standpoint or from, you know, a, a male versus female standpoint. So it was actually interesting because the dynamic was, was I always felt like it was supportive, but you always kind of felt weird. Like why, why aren't there more women in the room and it it stayed like that for quite some time and then as we continued to build out our team you know we made it a point to make sure that we were choosing the best candidate for the job and not necessarily a man or a woman and it actually turned out that the next person that joined our team was actually a young female and it it was funny because at that time we were probably the only group in the company that was was made of made up of all women, and then we hired another person who was uh, a man, and it was our joke to him was, "You got your girls running the world for you." So it was it was kind of interesting. But what I what I'm seeing now is that the more people that I interact with, the more women I see in the industry and they are younger. I don't come across um, a lot of older women. And if I do, it's far and few between and they usually have a team of men, which mm -hmm. is, kind of is kind of interesting. And, and um, but I'm, I'm really starting to see that, that change over and that switch, specifically like in the last five years or so. Mm -hmm. And it also sounds like, um, you know, the, the woman above you who is your boss kind of really helped pave the way in a way Absolutely. Uh, to make that more accessible to, to your team. Yeah, she totally did. And, and I would often ask her, her questions because there's so much conversation around women. And I have the conversation with my husband all the time, the way that women go about asking for things mm -hmm. versus how a man will go about asking for things. And, you know, she, she really taught me and, and taught the rest of our team that, listen, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. And if you can prove that you are doing a good job and that you're doing the right thing, that good things will come. And, you know, you shouldn't feel like you can't ask a question or you can't speak up for that reason. 
Yeah, and it sounds like, you know, I, I think that's kind of true for the millennial generation a lot, especially like older millennials, like being able to let go of some of that cultural conditioning yeah. and just go for it. And I and I think people on the very tail end of the, the millennials into Gen Z are just like way more comfortable, I think, with those conversations oh, in a way, way that blows me away. I'm like, man, I couldn't do that yeah. at 22, but so glad that you can, you know? No, me too. I, I feel the exact same way. I'll, I'll never forget. There was a, a point kind of like midway into, into my career where I felt like I had done a really great job and, and really excelled at what I was asked to do. And I felt like I was in a position where I should be able to either ask for a raise or at least set myself up on a path for a promotion. And I remember being, and, and I know this comes with age, but you know, it also, women get kind of marked with this too. I remember being so emotional and feeling so emotional about, should I even ask this question? Can I ask this question? Are they going to ask why I'm even asking this question? And it, it's something that we're not taught, right? right. We're not, we're not taught. And it's, to your point, the, I think the younger the younger millennials are, are into Gen Z have a, um, a boldness to them, which, you know, I respect. And it's refreshing. I think <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it really is. Um, and then, you know, what are some lessons that you feel like you've, you've maybe learned in your career along the way? So obviously one we're talking about right now is asking for things and that, you know, you have the right to do that. What are some other lessons that you've kind of learned as you've uh, come up in the company? So two come to mind. One, one is pretty broad and it's actually something that I, my dad had a saying growing up and it's stay the course. And it was something that he consistently said over and over again. And, and my brothers and I would roll our eyes and say, yeah, okay, dad. But there was a, a point where just with things changing around you, right? It, especially in business, it's everything is changing all the time. And it's so hard to often stay grounded. And I remember thinking to myself, there really is something to this stay the course. You know, it, it applies to so many things, whether in your personal life or in your work life. And I kind of adapted that as, as my saying and now try to use it as much as I can because so many things hit you all at once. And if you don't continue to look forward, and you allow those things to kind of like jump into your brain and kind of push you away from where your focus should be, it really could change kind of the course of, of where you're heading. So kind of staying rooted and staying humble, you don't realize how important it is until you start to look back. And I'm also hearing it's kind of like playing the long game, right? Like just yeah. staying focused on, on where you're getting, even as all this stuff, as you're saying, is hitting you from, from different yeah. sides. Yeah, absolutely. And then you said there was a second lesson as well. It's a big one. So, you know, not, not everybody wants to have a family or wants to have children, but, you know, you get to a certain point in your life where you're ready to make a decision on whether you want to have a family or not. And there's no right or wrong answer, right? You have to do what's best for you and, and for your family and how it fits in. And, and really that should be the only driving force in that decision. And it's so hard as a woman to 
not have that be the only driving force and not have work and your career path fit into that scenario where it shouldn't, that, that shouldn't make a decision on whether or not you want to have a child or expand your family or whether it's adoption or whatever the case may be. And that's definitely um, one thing that I've learned, you know, it took me a really long time to, you know, feel comfortable and, and make the decision to, to have a family. And it was quite frankly, it was the best thing. It was the best decision that my husband and I could have possibly made. And I, I put so much effort into making sure that I was prepared at work for, you know, for the time that I was taking. And I was so afraid that it would change, you know, the trajectory of my career, or I would come back and somebody would have taken over my responsibility and, you know, I wouldn't be needed anymore. And I think it's so important to, for, for women and young women, especially to understand that you can have both as long as you're prepared, just like you're prepared, you know, at home, right? You're preparing your food, you're figuring out what you're doing on the weekends. It's the same exact thing. It just, you need to make sure that, that you balance it out and, and know that you can do that because it, you know, I, one of the things that I did notice earlier in my career is that a lot of the, the women who were at executive levels didn't necessarily have children. And whether that was their decision, which is wonderful and you know I support any decision that you make but if it if it was because of a career it's it's kind of you know hurts your heart a little bit to think that you can't have both Mm -hmm. that they had to make that choice and pick one over the other and I think that that is something in in our generation where I don't think women feel the need to apologize for their choices or or Mm -hmm. feel like they have to choose one over the other I think millennials feel emboldened to kind of go after both things and say, yes, I can, I can do both of these. I think, you know, it's, it's obviously important to be able to, you know, you you can't spread yourself too thin where you're, where you're not giving, giving your all, whether it's, you know, to your, to your family or to your, your job, but you absolutely can figure out that balance as long as you, you know, put your mind to it and decide that that's what you want for yourself. Absolutely. Um, so I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about, you know, how do you feel that the the time period when you came of age has kind of shaped your experiences as a woman in business? I think that um, I mentioned this earlier, but I, I feel like I got very lucky by having a female boss and mentor uh, right away. I think that if I didn't have that opportunity from the beginning, that it my path could have been shaped very, very differently. But, you know, she allowed me to, to feel and be who, you know, I, I wanted to be and not kind of shut down the parts that, you know, make me who I am. And I think that's really, really important. And I've continued to take that with me, whether I'm in the room with all men or if I'm in the room with all women, you know, I, I do my best to not, not change my approach and just continue to, you know, to do the task at hand or present the information that was, was asked of me in the best way possible, regardless of who I'm talking to. And I think that's, that's important because, you know, when you, when you change yourself for, 
who or, or, or where, how, it often changes the information that you're, that you're presenting to. Absolutely. And it can, you know, if you're not bringing your, your whole self, right, it can hurt who you're uh, interacting with, who, you, who you're kind of making connections with, and, yeah. and kind of what opportunities might come your way. Like, you really have to show up as, as all of yourself. And I think that that's another thing that I think millennials are doing a lot more of. I think that was a little bit taboo for some of the older generations, mm-hmm. men or women. And I, I really do see millennials and Gen Z kind of breaking that that taboo of it and saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to show up here. I also think is it's okay too, because number one, I feel like, you know, you probably don't come across many women who wouldn't say this, but you always want to empower young women in general. But I also think that it's okay to do and also to know that you may find that in certain parts of your life or your career, that you will have a male mentor too. And that's okay. Right. Absolutely. Because there, every person brings something different to the table. So you want to make sure that you're rounding yourself out and, and understanding where everybody's coming from. I think that is really important. Excellent. You know, what do you think, uh, as we look at some of the other generations, you know, what do you think are some of the unique obstacles or issues that women in the millennial generation faced or are facing currently compared to previous generations and future generations? What's unique to us? So I feel like the millennial generation is the last of, I don't even know what word I'm looking for, but our youth was not driven by the digital market space, right? We had to remember people's phone numbers Mm -hmm. and write down an address you know, and we didn't have the, the temptation or the, the, the chatter or the um, distraction of social media. And don't get me wrong, you know, I'm, social media is a space that I'm very passionate about and is very important to, to my job at QuickJack, but it's also a huge detractor and something that the, the next generation relies on for a lot of things. So, I think it's important to be able to kind of separate the two. So, you know, stay engaged and, and, and use those outlets where they make sense, but don't let them overrun you and speak for yourself and don't allow that to speak for you because so much of, of what I'm seeing is, is hiding behind that screen, you know, and don't get me wrong. I, Instagram is one of my favorite apps. I love sharing photos and posts and stories, but it's important to do it when it's meaningful to you and not because you feel like society needs you to do it for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to be able to communicate in, in real life as well and put yourself out there in a, in a physical way while also being able to communicate on screen, but in a way that you're not feeling, you know, cause I, I've heard a lot of people talk about just like the, um, fear of missing out or the jealousy when they're, when they're on social media a lot and how yeah. that's something that Gen Z kind of deals with maybe more than uh, older generations. Yeah. Even, even like what we're doing right now, you know, a, a virtual conversation. Um, oh my gosh. Five years ago, this was barely a thing. Right. <laughs> right. You know, 10 years ago, it, it definitely wasn't, wasn't a thing. I, I remember I bought my first Mac book when I graduated college because my college roommate moved to Ireland and it was going to be the only way that we could talk while she was studying abroad. 
And it was like, maybe once a week, we would we would jump on and this has become so much of the norm. And for for that next generation specifically, the focus that needs to be involved in in having meetings like this that will probably eventually overrun an in-person meeting mm-hmm. is I think way beyond anything that the older generations had to deal with because everything's in person. You know, when when you when you're in person, you're holding somebody accountable, right? You're you're hearing their voice, you're hearing the the change, you're hearing their reaction, you're seeing their reaction where right now, you know, I, I can turn the camera off right now and and you would have no idea what I was doing in the background. And I think that that's so important and a challenge that the next generation is going to have to work through and be able to be present through these new means of communication. Mm-hmm. And all the change that that brings as you have multiple generations, you know, especially thrown into this in the middle of the pandemic, you know, for our listeners, we're on Zoom right now. So I can see Amanda's face and we're you know, <laughs> talking, you know, looking at each other. So, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, what do you think are some of the big issues that still persist today that disproportionately impact women? So I think that that family dynamic is still um, very present right now. And, you know, I, a lot of it has to do with the person and being able to be okay with, with that balance. But, you know, we're, we're taught to, you know, work hard and, you know, it's cliche to say, you know, work smarter, not necessarily harder um, in order to, to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And I think that's really important because I, I would hate for, for anyone, you know, specifically a woman who, who has always dreamt of becoming a mom to get to a point in their life where they say, I, I let work overrun who I am and it's, it's too late for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would hate for anybody to have to feel that way. So that's something that I still think is a challenge in the workplace. Um, you know, and it depends on where you are too, you know, certain states or certain companies give you very, very little time on maternity leave. And it, it's a, it's a challenge because you're navigating an entire new world. So I think that um, continues to be, to be a challenge. Yeah. And then to when people come back before they're really ready to come back, you know, it affects how present they can be. Yeah. Whereas if they had a little more time, it could be a, a, a better mm-hmm. situation for, for everyone. Yeah. And having those conversations too, because those conversations were never allowed. No, (laughs) exactly. I actually, I've had that conversation with one of my team members and, you know, I wanted to make sure that they, they knew how important it was to be okay with, with wanting to start a family because, you know, I didn't always feel that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, continuing to have those conversations, I think is important. And and I'm also hearing, you know, recognizing, hey, this was hard for me. This could be hard for you, too. And so you're kind of paying it forward and kind of helping them bridge those things uh, as well. So kind of mentoring uh, the next generation yourself. Yeah. So for the convenience store industry specifically, you know, what do you think are some areas where we still need to improve as an industry when it comes to inclusion? You know, what needs to change and evolve? Um, so you mentioned mentorship a couple times, and I, I think that at least from what I, what I see and, and what I've, I've kind of come across, 
there aren't a ton of, of mentorship programs or opportunities. You know, when, when I came across your, your podcast, I was kind of blown away and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if, if I would have had this to listen to or, or watch or read about, you know, 10 years ago, it really could have changed the way that, that I felt about, you know, having a job and wanting to work hard and wanting to, you know, to become a leader in the industry. So I think that that's something that we probably still, as an industry, we probably still have the opportunity to, to grasp onto. Knowing that not everybody knows how to ask for it, that putting it out there so they don't have to ask and giving them the opportunity to grab on, I mm-hmm. think would be, you know, a really great direction. Wonderful. And for, for our listeners, uh, you know, the National Advisory Group does have our Young Executives Organization. Um, we've got a, a NAG meeting coming up in, uh, in March. So you can go to nagnagconvenience.com and learn about how you can get involved in our Young Executives Organization. That's for uh, people under the age of 40, men and women. Wonderful. That's awesome. Um, so last question for the, the Gen Z women who are listening today. <laughs> what do you wish you knew when you first started your career? You know, what advice would you like to leave them with? Oh, it's like a loaded question. Um, it's okay to not know everything. And to go into a room and think that you should know the answers to every question is um, not going to help you in the long run. Because it's going to, it's going to force you to miss some of the answers or solutions that you may have grasped onto if you kind of took a step back and said, you know what, I don't know this. Let me ask the question. So there are absolutely no stupid questions. You know, it's okay to ask a question, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable. And it's okay to, you know, to be honest, as long as you're being kind and kind of um, presenting it in a way where you're letting people know that you want to understand what they're saying or where they're coming from. And I think using that throughout, you know, not only your, your growth in your career, but also in your life and approaching it that way, um, you know, will, will pay off eons in the long run. Absolutely. And that advice really resonates with me because I do remember being at the very beginning of my career and and things that I I might not fully understand and being so afraid of looking stupid or like, oh, my God, they're going to think I'm an idiot if I ask that. And as I got just like a little bit older, you know, it was like a year or so in, it was like, you know, when I actually just like, you know what, I don't get that, you know, can you explain this to me? It it opened up such a, a place for connection and for learning. I felt like it took me further when I just acknowledged, hey, I'm not clear here. Well, and, you know, going off of what you said, I find that you're not the only one in the room with that question. Absolutely. Right? Regardless of, of your experience level, there is most likely one other person or more in that room who has the exact same question who's afraid to ask it. Who's probably older than you are. <laughs> yeah. well, and and going, going one step further is that, you know, as you, you're starting off your career, that's the right advice. But then as you continue you know, that advice should stay with you because I, you know, I, I went from having a, a solid position and growth plan for the majority of my career. And I was working in that same field and doing more, but continuously doing the same thing. And now I'm in this brand new position and I know my company, but the, the role is brand new. 
So the questions that, you know, I feel like I'm starting at the beginning again. And it, it, the, the first couple of weeks, that was a little bit, a little bit tough to think, oh my gosh, why am I asking so many questions? And then I sat back and I thought to myself, this is great. I need to ask all these questions to get to, you know, the point where I was in my previous role. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, amazing advice. Uh, great conversation, Amanda. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing all about what you have going on over at Quick Check. Thanks, Erin. I appreciate it.